to try to be serious and I don't know why you like make it a joke. It's not a joke. It's not? No, it's our intro. Oh, do, do, it's do serious. It do it again. No. Do it one more time. <coughs> Welcome. Welcome. What's <laughs> up, guys? What's up, guys? We back. Yeah, so we have we have another one. Already. Like, already. I know. Pumping them out. I'm proud of us, too, guys. Pumping iron. Proud of us. We had this one a little while ago, but we needed a little bit more info. I actually know this case. Yeah. I listened so, to it on Morbid Podcast, so yeah. probably we'll be chirping in, saying maybe my own a little bit, but he's got this one this week. But yeah. Before we get into it, the huge like our stuff. Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, go watch, go do it. Our Instagram, uh, yeah. Go follow. Just go do uh, it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. So today is <laughs> quite the story we're going to be telling you guys. I'm covering the case of Lizzie Borden. Was she going back in time? A savage axe murderer or yes. not? Today we will find out. Yes, she was. Or, well, actually, we won't actually find out today, but. <laughs> we're never going to find out. No. No, never. Never. So we covered our announcements. Make sure you guys, we haven't gotten any emails yet, unfortunately. So um, make sure you guys are trying to uh, do that so I don't feel like a loser. <laughs> don't like try and do it, just do it. So know? in the intro, there was a nursery rhyme that played. Yee. And it is, Lizzie Borden took an ax and gave her mother 40 wax. When she had seen what she had done, she gave her father 41. Yeah, I heard that when she heard originally heard that she did not like it. She was not happy. They had made that, I think, before she passed and... Yeah, probably, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah. She don't like it. So, let's get right into it, shall we? Let's do it. Let's go back in time. Lizzie Andrew Borden was born July 19th, 1860 in Fall River, Massachusetts. Her parents were Sarah Anthony Borden and Andrew Jackson Borden. Andrew, while growing up, struggled financially, even though he was a descendant of a wealthy, wealthy English-Welsh family. Say that five times fast. Yeah, five times fast. <laughs> Eventually, he created a business that manufactured caskets and furniture. After that, he became a, pr a property developer and was actually pretty badass at it. That's where he made most of his money. Mm -hmm. A director of mills mm -hmm. and owned quite a few commercial properties. Oh, wow. Yeah. Doing the thing. Yep. So the estate at the time, the house he had bought and the girls that grew up in, was valued at around $300,000. But in today's age, that's $9 million. You got the money, so he's honey. rich, rich. So even though the family was wealthy, Jax Jackson refused to put in proper plumbing in the home. Andrew. We're calling him Jackson. No. Yeah, Never. Andrew, the dad. Yes. Yes. I don't know why I wrote Jackson. Okay, Andrew. Andrew refused to put proper plumbing in the home. 
So no running water, no flushing toilets. And that's They're just when it was, out there. Yeah, and that's when it was like coming of age too. Like yeah. everybody was getting getting it, and he could afford it, and he chose not to do so. Yes, this caused like major tension in the family because Andrew or Mr. Jackson was just being very cheap. But he also didn't like that word. Yeah, he didn't. He was cheap though. He was cheap. Uh, better word that Morbid used. Frugal. He was that's, frugal. That's a fun word. Yeah, but they frugal. were saying, okay, so was Morbid, Morbid wasn't calling him cheap because they were sitting in the house yeah, while they did their episode, which I we mean, could be doing, but. I honestly, I think I want to visit it, but I'm not staying overnight. I think to see it, because they haven't changed the house. It's uh, still the shoo. same. Shh. It's still all the same today. Sorry, I'm like. That's my end announcement, lady. I'm sorry. I just. What's that called? It's not metagaming. Well, Forecasting? <laughs> I just know. Forecast. I know what Today he's going to Today is say. rainy with a <laughs> side dreary, of dread. axe murder. <laughs> the family's cousins had lived on a location called The Hill in their small town of <laughs> Fall River, Massachusetts. <laughs> so they would visit, and the homes up on the hill are extremely nice. Everything is they have proper plumbing. They can brush their teeth with running water, flush a toilet, flush a stinky poo down the, the and tube. And also electricity was something and that they lacked. Yes. That everybody else was getting. Yes. Yeah. They would visit these homes and realize how much they actually want this rich lifestyle. And it annoyed the absolute piss out of them because they are rich, but her, their dad, like, just didn't act like they were. He was so cheap that when he worked in the funeral home with caskets, mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard that part, he would chop off people's legs or, like, their feet. I did hear that. To make their caskets smaller to be cheaper. Yeah. It's terrible. Just so if I went, I'm six foot two, and he only had a five foot nine casket. Made. Made. He would <laughs> chop a rooney my feetsies off. <laughs> Goodbye. And shove me in the box and bury me. <laughs> Don't need them, I guess. They don't need them. So, unfortunately, Lizzie's mother had passed away in the year of 1863, just three years after the birth of their youngest daughter, which is Lizzie. A few years after the death, Andrew actually got married to Abby Defer... Defer... Durfee. <laughs> Abby Durfee Gray. Based on research, there are two stigmas when it comes to Abby. One says that she's a really mean and savage stepmother. The other says that she was the opposite... She was a good stepmom to the girls, but it is stated that Lizzie would publicly down her stepmother pretty often. So we won't nice. ever really know, unfortunately. Yeah. She thought that she had only married her father for his wealth. Lizzie had a weird stigma when it, it came to Abby because she eventually, initially, they got along. You know, she was, she, Abby came into her life when they were really young and she stepped up and took that. You know that mother position that they didn't have unfortunately and so it is said initially they got along and everything went well but after time and as lizzie got older she started to think that abby was only married to her father for his wealth so then tension started you know brewing in the family over that so the girls or excuse me the family actually had a a maid i couldn't think of the word her name was bridget sullivan and get this, this kind of gives you an idea of what the uh, girls kind of were like back then. They called her Maggie, which it said that Maggie was a previous maid that the family had had before. But I also saw online that Maggie is a racial slur towards Irish maids during that time. So not nice. 
Either one, not taking the time to learn the new maid's name or calling her a racial slur. Yikes. Yikes. Yikey. Yikey. We're going to call her Bridget, because that's her name. That was her name. So Bridget was a live-in maid for the family and said that the girls rarely ate meals with their parents due to growing tensions over the years. So over, you know, over the years, they're just really starting to distance themselves from each other. Arguments are constantly happening and etc. I've said the girls a few times and I haven't actually mentioned her yet, but Lizzie and her older sister, Emma Lenora Borden, were both raised in the home with a very religious background. Emma is a few years older than uh, Lizzie at this time. So as, as I state the girls, I'm talking about Lizzie and Emma. They're the sisters that were raised in them. As young Good. girls, they attended many church activities. Lizzie at one point was even a Sunday school teacher for recent immigrants to the United States for some time. Growing up, Lizzie was described as a sweet, caring, quiet girl. She did her decent, uh, she did a decent amount of work in school and didn't cause really any issues. But there is one really odd habit that she had as a kid. She would actually steal from most of the local shops in town. And she was pretty like popular for doing this. So her father caught whiff and um, instead of the shop owners charging her for shoplifting, he would say, I'll oh, just add it to my tab. And then he would go and cover what she stole from the stores. It was really weird. So I imagine just Papa. Like, yeah. Papa. Thanks for saving my booty. Yeah. Papa's doing some just like coverage. Kind of like eggs are on to do it. A little bit. Yeah. Just kind of like, hey, just, yeah, if you want to go steal, go ahead and steal. Yeah. I'm just going to take care of it. I'll pay for it. Because I don't pay for toilets. Yeah. I would rather pay for you stealing than go pay for electricity and toilets. Emma, while the girls were growing up, had basically took over the mother role for Lizzie. And that's when Abby and Lizzie really started splitting up because there was so much tension, you know, under under the roof of the home. So speaking of tension, it really started growing when Andrew was beginning to gift properties to various family members of Abby. So obviously Emma and Lizzie did not agree with their father's decisions and many, many arguments started occurring. So essentially they started to become very distant from the family and was like, okay, if you're gonna give rental properties for free to her family, we definitely deserve something. So their father actually gave them a rental property and they quickly learned that renting property is a lot harder than it seemed. So it was really, I Basically, think less than a year, less than a year and they, they gave it back to their father, not gave it, he actually bought it off them for double the amount that it was actually worth. They're like, yeah, you know, we're big girls, we're gonna take on this rental property and then quickly realized that they were not cut out to, uh, to handle stuff like that. Well, it was more that the rental property, everything, that goes into it money-wise, mm -hmm. you pay for. Like, rent that he was paying for, whatever, however, like, there was so much money that was getting put into the rental home that it wasn't actually getting in their pockets. So they were like, this, this is isn't pointless. really worth it. Right. After that whole ordeal, tensions were still rising, and Lizzie literally got to the point of where she didn't even want to be seen in public with her own family. And even her relationship with Emma, her older sister, was like almost non-existent. So we're gonna fast forward to August 4th, 1892, which started off as a pretty average day. It's a normal day. The only thing that was going on was uh, John Morse, which is the girl's uncle. He had stayed the night prior, so he's there in the morning with the family. And Emma's actually out of town at a friend's house. So everyone that's in the house is Bridget Sullivan, the maid, Abby, the stepmom, Andrew, the dad, John Morse, the uncle, and Lizzie, the daughter. 
So initially the day starts off as them feeling pretty sick. And the thought is that it was the soup because I had been eating it for around four to five days straight then. And even during cooking the soup, again, Bridget uh, ended up throwing up quite a few times. So John ends up leaving the house at around 8.48 a.m. to go buy some oxen or ox, ox eye. I don't know what the plural of uh, ox is. Anyways, Andrew had left for his morning walk sometime after 9 a.m. So during the time that the girls stayed under the house, one of their chores was to clean the guest room if someone had stayed in it. And because Lizzie was the only girl there, Abby decided to go up and actually clean the room between 9 and 10 a.m. When Andrew arrived back from his walk, at first he couldn't open the door. It was jammed. It's weird. So he knocks and Bridget hears the knock at the door and goes and attempts to open it and from the inside from the inside yeah. so it's jammed from the inside and the outside hmm. so she couldn't get the door open either during the struggle of the door bridget actually states that she heard lizzie from the top of the stairs laughing a little weird you know maniacal a little bit i mean we all know that lizzie is uh, a person that person of interest <laughs> so it's just a little note Excuse me. So once they actually got the door open, he went and took a nap on the couch, which is a common thing he did. But prior to that, he asked, where's Abby? And Lizzie had stated that she got a letter from a friend saying that she is ill and she needs some help. So, so Abby... He thinks that Abby's not there. Essentially. Yeah. So Abby's not in the house then. So he falls asleep on the couch. After some time, Bridget goes outside. She's doing some chores around, you know, the yard and etc. And Lizzie comes bursting out of the house, screaming bloody murder, runs up to one of her neighbors and is saying, please help me. My dad has been brutally murdered. Please help. Please help. So her and the neighbor run back to the house and Bridget hears all the commotion. So she runs into the house. And what they see is Andrew lying on the couch completely bludgeoned to death. He was hit multiple, multiple times in the face. Like his face is essentially caved in. Mm -hmm. And he's laying all bloody dead on the couch. <laughs> bloody dead, you know. <laughs> so after being horrified by this scene, they're scrambling to try to find Abby, even though she was supposedly- She's not there. At but... her friend's house helping her. They find her in the guest room, also brutally murdered to death. Both victims had actually been struck by a hatchet-type weapon, and the damage to Abby was much more significant than it was to Andrew. It's like it was personal. So according to forensic investigators, Abby had been facing her killer at the time of the murder, and the first strike hit her on the side of the head, causing a gash above her ear. So this ended up causing her to flip and she fell face first onto the floor, creating contusions on her forehead and her nose. Her killer then struck her more than 19 times, 17 of which were to the back of her head. So if you can imagine a hatchet hitting something like that 17 times, what that scene uh, would look like, there's, there's nothing left. 
There's nothing left of Andrew's face, and there's nothing left of there's not really Abby's a... face. Andrew was slumped on the couch in the downstairs sitting room, and one of his eyeballs and eyelid had been cleanly split in two, <laughs> suggesting that he had actually been sleeping at the time of the first strike, and he had 10 to 11 blows to his head. Regardless, 10 or 11 to compared to 17, the damage is pretty uh, significant. So with all this screaming going on and everyone's freaking out, neighbors started to form a crowd around the house and the police had been called, obviously. They arrive and they are disgusted by this crime scene. Like it, this this is like one of the worst crimes that had occurred in this time. It's just absolutely brutal. So they're just like mortified by this whole situation. So they immediately try to uh, start to investigate and the actual the first assumptions were the murders that the murderers had to have been done by a man, and which is most likely a foreigner, for whatever reason they assumed. A foreigner, I don't really understand that. Police had, or police had assumed that there was it was some sort of outsider that had made entry into the house and brutally murdered Andrew and Abby. At first, they didn't suspect Lizzie. The reason why they didn't suspect her is because, according to Bridget and the neighbor, during this situation, Lizzie had zero blood on her. And by the brutality of these crimes, whoever did this would have been covered in blood. I mean, you're easily. smashing someone's skull. So, and she was known as like this sweet, innocent churchgoer. She works at Sunday school. She did good in school. She can't be a murderer. So they completely no overlook her. No way. And a woman? <laughs> God. So during this time of them trying to figure out what happened, they actually arrested a Portuguese Portuguese immigrant, but it led to a dead end and he ended up being innocent. Neighbors also claimed seeing a stranger near the home, but when questioned by police, he had a, a sealed alibi. So he, had, there's nothing placed him at the home. He was just outside the home. So he was innocent as well. Police were kind of running out of people at this point. So they actually started questioning Lizzie because of her attitude during this whole situation is just like, eh. yeah, I mean, Whatever. yeah, my parents were murdered, but murdered. They were done murdered. Her attitude threw them off. So they started questioning her. And initially her story was her, her stories kept changing. Her initial story was that she was looking for a piece of iron when the attacks took place. Strange. Then when she was questioned again, she was just hanging out in the barn, eating pears in the loft. So she was no, no nowhere near the house. Yeah. I, I didn't murder my parents. Completely different But story. it's completely changing and her attitude is just totally off. So they're like, she has something to do with it. Mm. But with zero physical evidence against her, it would be really, really tough trial her but the police believed no one else could have done it the only thing found with blood that belonged to lizzie was her undergarments but she stated it was uh due to her period and they never questioned it i mean so, can't question that it's natural so backtracking a little bit the police with them initially thinking it was an outsider it just didn't really make any sense because they had quite a few people in the home the the murderer definitely risked being seen by one of them leaving the house or doing chores or etc so an outsider was kind of cut off at that point especially when it comes to abby facing her murderer normally if you're facing someone say if i was an outsider and i went into a house and i was going to murder someone that i didn't know i wouldn't sh i wouldn't have them face me right. i would strike when they, weren't they don't know what's going on right so the fact that abby turned around that was like a big statement to the cops as well so she was actually facing her killer she was comfortable enough to get 
hit in the head with an axe initially. So the right. police were kind of against it being an outsider at this point. The other thing is, is uh, the police started questioning the note that was apparently written by one of Abby's sick friends. But when asked where it was, Lizzie stated that Abby um, might have had, she might have accidentally burned it in the fire, Liz like threw it in the fire. Lizzie burned it. No. On accident. Abby. Lizzie, did. yes. So when police questioned the letter, you know, they yeah. questioned Lizzie about the letter because Bridget told them that she stated Abby was out of the house. So Bridget was a believer of Abby being out of the house as right, well. Right, right. Lizzie had stated, I think she burned it. Oh, oh, okay. I think she might have actually, you know, actually burned it. Burned, burned it. it. Yeah. Don't need it. So investigators actually found out that Lizzie had bought hide. Oh God, hydrocyanic, hyd hydrocyanic. I think it's hydrocyanic. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So investigators had actually also found out that Lizzie went down to the store and tried buying hydrocyanic acid, which is extremely poisonous. So she tried picking this up from the local drugstore, which is another uh, red flag. But when she was questioned about it, she was they, she told investigators that it was actually to uh, clean her furs. Apparently, Lizzie had seal furs to wear, and that was bought to clean them. So with no evidence, they couldn't arrest her at first. So a few days after Andrew's funeral, she was seen by someone burning one of her dresses, either in the front yard or in the fireplace, it's not really stated, but she was seen burn, burning one of her dresses. And when she questioned, when questioned, she said it was stained by paint and couldn't be worn anymore. So this girl is like doing some very, very, why, like very like out in the open sketchy stuff. Very sus. Very, you're so sussy. So investigators actually started um, investigating the house. Obviously, there was a murder, so they, they had every right to. And they found a box of tools in the basement where they found a hatchet that had a broken handle. And this is famously known as the handleless hatchet. They believe it was broken on purpose. So when it was left there, it wasn't suspected as a weapon for, you know, for the murders because it wasn't usable. Or to get rid of the evidence. Or to get... Well, well that, the that, uh, true. So that's another good point. They also noticed that there was ash around the blade. So they thought that Lizzie had taken the hatchet, because the police think it's her at this point, had taken the hatchet, rinsed it in water, and then put it in the fireplace to actually burn all of the evidence off, which caused ash and a little bit of rust on the hatchet. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. Couple days in the future, August 8th, she was brought into an inquest hearing and her story had changed so many times and provided contradicting information about the murders that people swore at this, like Lizzie murdered them. Mida. So by August 11th, she was actually arrested and put in jail for the murders. Quick little note, morphine was a very, very common prescribed medication back then. And the average dose of morphine around this time was actually three times more than the amount used today. And Jinkies. during every hearing, she was actually essentially this high on morphine. Why? Because she took it. It was a commonly used thing for anxiety and depression mm. back then. And she had major anxiety when brought in to question, you know, to be questioned. So every time she went to a hearing, she was on averagely about three times more she was, than what we give out for morphine today just for anxiety. So this girl was like not, done messed up. Yeah, she was not all there during these uh, 
during these trials. 10 months later, so she's still in jail, but 10 months later, the trial begins June 5th, 1883 in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Another little note is on June 1st, there was actually another ax murder with very, very similar clues to this case that had occurred in Fall River and was that was heavily noted by the jurors during the trial. I mean, obviously. The trial had like instant fame, mainly because no one believed that a woman could actually brutally murder people to this extent which is kind of weird because there were actually there's actually other cases around this time where there are like serial killer females but regardless instant fame boom fuck right up there the trial was basically a big show people were gossiping over it creating rumors they were obsessed with they were absolutely obsessed over the case and lizzie people were crowded outside the court and were like physically waiting to see her walk into the trial every day sure she loved that they they were interested in what she was wearing like oh what is she gonna wear today they were interested in what obviously what the jurors are gonna say what the trial was what was being said during the day but they would wait outside all day just to hear any details about what was going on in the courtroom i'm pretty sure that her lawyer was making her dress up like super fancy all black like yep so right very here pretty Yep, right yeah. here. It says she had worn makeup and full black every day to the trial and carried a fan to cover her face at times. So the hatchet was a very prominent piece in the investigation, obviously. It is said that the handle was remo removed because it was it was covered in blood. One officer testified that they did not find the handle, but another officer argued against it. So even during this trial, officers are essentially not getting their story straight. So no one's story is straight at this point. Not even not even police officers during the trial. It's crazy. It don't make no sense. There was also no bloody clothing found anywhere at the scene other than Abby and Andrews. And it is said that people thought Lizzie had murdered her parents while naked. <laughs> so all she had to clean up was her hands and her face because she would put her dress on before running out of the house saying, oh my God. I mean... So people, people think that she committed the murders while butt naked to avoid any blood splatter. It's not a, not a dumb idea, not a dumb thought, you know? Nope. And when questioned about the dress being burned during the case, actually Emma stepped up and testified, standing up for her sister, stating that it was, it was her dress being burned and she told Lizzie to burn hmm. because of pain. During the trial, the skulls of her parents were actually brought into the courtroom to show the amount of damage done. I don't remember that. That's nuts. Yeah. And you, like, that is not, that is not a thing today at all. They might show pictures of the crime scene, I feel but like the, physical, the physical skulls of her parents were brought in. Like, did they take their, no skin, skulls? Just straight up skulls. No flesh, no skin, Yikey. nothing. Yikey. But still, the, I mean, just to see a skull, knowing it's your mom or your stepmom and your dad's skull on the table and it's just caved in it's cracked like there's we're gonna there's photos like they're gonna see the photos holy cow you it just it's sitting there on the table it literally made her pass out during the trial i mean understandably so they used them to compare the damage and cuts to the hatchet found at the home which it matched the judge also had medical examiners determine that women are physically are physically capable of committing murders as brutal. The trial was actually sort of a short one for the severeness of these crimes. It only took three weeks and an hour and a half for the jury to come out with this, uh, a decision. During the entire trial, Lizzie never testified and only had one statement. 
I am an innocent woman, and I will let my counsel speak for me. Only thing she said during the entire trial. Wow. She didn't stand up for herself. She didn't, nothing. It was the only statement she had. The final day of the trial, the courthouse was actually like absolutely slam packed with viewers. And after the jur after the after the jury actually came out with their decision, the foreman of the foreman of the courthouse would actually give normally like a spiel and you know, this and that. The state covers you this way, blah blah blah. But he literally just goes, Not guilty. He gets wow. it and he goes, Not guilty and the courthouse like erupted. Everyone's like, oh, my God. And she was acquitted of all charges. So she was essentially the only person that they could probably find guilty in this entire case. And she was acquitted of all charges. And she was essentially a famous person over it now. So after the case, Lizzie and Emma inherited around $350,000, which is actually $10 million in today's age. And they go and they, they build a giant house on the hill in Fall River. What a weird what to use your money for building a house that your your parents die and then you take the money and go build your your dream barbie house yeah, on the hill literally and especially because they grew up on the hill but pretty much hang out with their friends yeah they always wanted they to wanted have to be on the, on the hill and here we are she actually lived in that house for the rest of her life the house was named maplecroft and the public was sometimes unkind towards Lizzie because not everyone thought she was innocent. The church she used to uh, used to attend banned her from attending. And over time, Emma and Lizzie's relationship, because they lived together, dwindled, and Emma moved away, and they never really spoke ever again. Lizzie remained in the house alone for the rest of her life. She never got married, but she had a an extreme love for animals and quite the number of dogs accompanying 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 her she passed away in 1927 due to pneumonia 7 days later her sister actually passed away due to uh, kidney failure ouch they are both buried to next to their parents in fall river massachusetts and fun fact Lizzie actually changed her name when she moved into her new house to Lizbeth. Yep. Because obviously of everything that happened, she was trying to change basically her identity, but everybody knew where she lived. I mean, she didn't move very far away from her home. Mm. And that name is actually on her tombstone. Yes. Not Lizzie. Yep. So most most people believe that if Lizzie had murdered her parents, it wasn't over money. It was over something traumatizing, which is kind of my belief. If she did murder them, I don't I don't know. I don't know if she did. Uh, let me read this, then we can go over a couple other things. Emma stated that there was actually things that happened during their childhood that she would she wouldn't talk about. The rumors were that Andrew made the girls do some gruesome things, and there may have been some incest situations occurring. So that obviously can be pretty traumatizing. Yikey. And that can uh, maybe cause someone enough mental damage to... Moida. Bludgeon your face in with an axe. <laughs> Murder. One point is the fact that Andrew's eyes were the main part of his face and that they were, they were completely hacked up. I mean, the whole point of their head getting smashed in is just like... That in its own is so gruesome yeah, and you, personal. You, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You're right. That's like a that's a very personal target. I mean, to murder someone's personal. In, in yeah, general, but if but it's just like a, just anyone, I'm sure you're not going straight just for the head, and that was no. the main point of contact. Yeah, and Andrew's Andrew's main point of contact were his eyes, almost like he he had seen some shit that he wasn't supposed to be seeing. He seen that stuff. 
So, were the family members tied into this case? Ironically, Emma's out of town. John Morse is in town, and he actually ended up being a suspect at one point because he's he's a known butcher. He's actually a known butcher. I mean, granted, he didn't do clean. If it was him, he didn't do very clean butcher work on Andrew's <laughs> face, and I'm sure he wouldn't have just Abby's went head, for the head. But he was also a suspect at one point. So a lot of people think that the entire family was in on this. Well, I mean, you just reason. come into town and they just so happen to die. So, I mean, it makes sense that he's a suspect. And ironically, he actually stayed in the room that Abby was murdered in the night after, which is mind boggling because today now, like nowadays you kill someone, that is a crime scene for like weeks a or long months. Time. But long, they let John time. go back. Like they stayed in the house that night. I don't like it. No, couldn't be me. Where am I? They also question Bridget Sullivan as well because there's no there's no blood splatter anywhere on any clothing. Any I don't think there's even blood splatter on the walls. Like it's just all in one area, basically essentially from them bleeding. So they there was thoughts of uh, Bridget essentially helping Lizzie clean herself up and everything before all of this happened. So she wasn't a suspect. So many, many skeptics believe all of these different things. Um, what you believe is obviously could be the same as us or different. Do you think she's guilty? Absolutely. I 100% believe Lizzie did it. I think, uh, to be honest, I feel like the whole family is guilty. I, they're obviously a part in it, especially her sister, because, I mean, they probably even talked about it. And they probably both wanted to do it. And maybe it just so happened that all of the timing was right, that she wasn't in town and that Lizzie had the opportunity to do it. And Bridget just so happened to be outside at the time. Yeah, it yeah, just it's, all like, it's all coincidental that it just, it, yeah. I feel like it just adds up too perfectly. Yeah. I feel like the, the timing of leaving the house and then. Exactly. Her ironically going up and cleaning the room. Yeah. It was just all like, and then Andrew, just takes the answer of Abby not being there, but then Bridget doesn't know where Abby is, and but she's he, only upstairs. Right, like, and then he believes lot, it. Yeah. yeah there's, there's a lot so going much. on. A lot going on. Now, if this happened nowadays, someone would have been tried. Oh, easily. absolutely. But, I mean, corruption I mean, of crime scene. Right. There's John evidence going in and, there. Yeah. Like, it's just a crazy, crazy story. So, will we ever know if she murdered them? No, we won't ever know. We won't ever know who murdered them either because they never came to a conclusion. They only trialed Lizzie Borden. That's crazy. Fun fact is that you can actually go stay in the Borden mm-hmm. estate mm-hmm. and you can stay overnight. It's a bread and breakfast. Bread, bread, bread and breakfast. Bread and breakfast. It's a bed and breakfast and it's actually designed and decorated to uh, de- essentially look like the ex- exact time period. You just walk back into murdered. 1860. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. The same couch that he was murdered in is in the house. Same exact one. The same bed is in this. The, everything's the same. Everything's the same. And even the people. Same when you, mattress? Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. So, so when you go and stay at the house, which I really want to go do, and I know my little sister Ari wants to go do, um, they, they like push you to oh lay down right where abby was murdered lay down how abby was murdered and fell to onto her face after being bludgeoned and we'll take a picture of you it's fun and then there's pictures of them hanging up on the wall there's crime scene photos on the wall Mm -hmm. so they 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 take this case and like 
essentially they just well they have tour love it. Yeah, yeah and they tour they have tour guides there as well and they do very in depth yeah which I've heard the tours tour. are actually really really good yeah about the entire place and then you can stay and I have zero interest in sleeping in that building I'll go see it sure yeah and then I'm going home uh, there's no way essentially the house is haunted by a majority of the spirits that were involved in the case people say that they've seen Lizzie and heard Lizzie they've seen They've seen Andrew, Andrew, they've seen John, they've seen everyone involved in the case kind of around that house. And I haven't really looked into the stories, like the ghost stories, as much as I should have. But I don't, so I don't know if it's like demonic type stuff or people being touched or whatever. But I am uh, definitely interested in going and staying there. Amelia probably will not, but I'm. As interested. I literally just said, I'm not staying. Yeah. So. Are you staying there? Mm, I'm not staying there. If you, go listen, if you go listen to Morbid's podcasts, they are there yeah, it, while recording. Yeah, yeah. And it's nuts because they stop a lot because they hear things, they, hear they see stuff. things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they pretty much, one of them, I think it was Elena, but it doesn't matter, said that Andrew was the most prominent spirit spirit yeah there so shout out to morbid episode 96 part one there's two parts it's a very good podcast and it's yes. crazy that they're in the house while it's happening but good for you guys thank you thank you everyone for tuning in hopefully this episode was good this is like our third time trying to record this because so much and yeah research um, and other things so what do you guys think let us know in the comments was she guilty was she innocent what would you, you stay in the house for a night let us know in the comment section below. Yay. What do you think? She did it. I Well, I said I think the whole family did it. Yeah. But, yeah, what do you think? What do you think? Yeah, sorry. What do you think? Not him. Not I me. What do you think? What... <laughs> so make sure you guys remember our initial announcements. Follow our social media. Send us emails. Send us messages. Send it. Let us know what cases you want to cover. And until Send next time, it. we outie. Bye. Uh-huh. What? Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>